Hey everyone, it is Angie Morgan Wachowski. I am so excited about this episode of Bet On You Radio. You know, this is the place where we feature ordinary, extraordinary individuals who get to share their tales, their journeys to success. And my hope is that everyone picks up a spot of inspiration that can guide their life, that can help them be more inspirational in their day-to-day decisions. Today's guest is American author, speaker, educator, coach, Michigan football fan, John Bacon, whose most recent book, Let Them Lead, is just amazing. I could talk about it, but I'm not going to. I'm gonna have our guest, John Bacon, talk about it. So John, welcome to Bet On You Radio. Angie, thank you. I would love to hear about your background because I've talked about you to people. You're a sports writer, you're an educator, you're a coach, and so many people who I know want to be like you or at least do the things that you're doing. How did you find yourself into this career? If you don't mind talking a little bit about how you're raised and your background, I think that'd be great for our audience. Sure. I would say a lot of folks want to do what I'm doing now, but they <laughs> I would not have wanted to do what I had to do to get here. Correct. So... <laughs> Big difference there. Um, born and raised in Ann Arbor, Michigan, a lot of time up north uh, in Traverse City, of course. Uh, grew up going to hockey camp with Scott Childs at the old Glacier Dome. It's now a lumberyard, I think. Okay. Um, so some ties in there. And a lot of time on Torch Lake where my grandfather bought land, God bless him, 70 years ago. My parents have had it since. But anyway, um, grew up playing baseball and hockey, going to school, public school in Ann Arbor, then the University of Michigan. Uh, I suppose the first real, the two real breaks for the career um, one, uh, my junior year at Michigan, I took a uh, creative writing class and I was on fire for it. It, it, it totally inspired me. A guy named David Rubin from uh, St. Ignace, Michigan was the uh, grad student teacher and uh, he required 50 pages for an A and I wrote 150 pages because I, I didn't care about the grade. I was just on fire for it. So that's a good sign right there mm-hmm. is whatever you want to really do, uh, you, you have to love it that much before Anybody cares about what you're writing or paying you or anything else, you better love it. So during that semester, he took me to a party that I thought was going to be some you know, grad student thing. It ends up being the English department, and I'm wearing torn jeans. I'm way out of place here. Uh, and the honored guest was a guy named Al Young, a very distinguished writer of a lot of genres, fiction, screenplays, and so on. And I asked him any advice for a would-be writer. And he says, only this. He looks kind of like Morgan Freeman, a tall, distinguished man. And he says, uh, only this, I don't want to write, need to write. I said, what does that mean? He says, you think about that, son. So, <laughs> it's like the uh, Jedi master, right? Oh, exactly. he, he was my Yoda on this one. Absolutely. So, so I got a question for you with that. Sure. Um, did you know up until that point, up until college, that you had an interest in writing? Had anybody ever encouraged you into that field? What about that specific experience just ignited you? I knew I liked writing, but I never ever thought about it as a career or didn't know how to make it a career, any of those things. So I was thinking about architecture and other ideas. Um, but that summer is when I started, started writing on my own and then find a creative writing class at Michigan that could fan that flame. And David Rubin certainly did. Um, and from that point, you start taking off and then taking off with it, not your career. Um, and I found myself for the next two or three years constantly writing on my own time. And then it dawned on me, this is what Al Young was talking about. I can't stop it. So if that's the case, you might as well find a way to get paid for it if you can. The next crucial juncture was when I was um, got into Michigan uh, Law School at the last minute off the wait list. I had good scores, but okay grades by their standards. Um, and in the first five minutes, the dean says, as a joke, look to your left, look to your right. At the end of the semester, one of you will be gone. 
uh, Harvard, where he went, of course, they prided themselves on, you know, failing one out of three students. Um, they said, we don't do that anymore. But while he's saying this, I thought to myself, for the last three or four years, you've been on fire for writing. You love writing. That's what you want to do. You don't want to be a lawyer. What are you doing here? So I looked to my left and I looked to my right and I said, good news, boys. I'm it. <laughs> I'm the one who's... That's a pretty big bold. So what did your friends, family network like to disenroll from Michigan law is a pretty bold decision. That's a risk that you're taking on yourself. Uh, a bold one on paper, a stupid one, um, mm -hmm. I would say. I mean, that was the number two law school in the country. It's still like number seven or eight, I think. It's yeah. automatic, you know, wealth and not automatic at a work for it. But nonetheless, the path is set up for you. Um, but uh, I never told my family, not for many years afterwards, until I won some awards in writing. Uh, that's when I told him, oh, funny story. Uh, seven years ago, I got into law school. Sorry. Um, and they said, you did what? So I'm glad I didn't tell them then. Mm -hmm. But uh, my friends were very supportive. I only had 24 hours to think about it. Oh, and wow. uh, <clears throat> one of my great mentors, Dave Stringer, um, he gave me good advice in this one. So did Stephen Cook, another friend of mine. Um, he said, uh, you know, tough decision, but I knew what I, I knew what I wanted to do. I wasn't sure if I was being immature or impulsive or whatever. And uh, one of my friends, one of my mentors said, uh, if you could be a good lawyer or good writer, what would you pick? I said, that one's easy. Um, so that's what I did. Uh, now, I also gave myself three years after that um, to make it as a writer. And if I couldn't make it as a writer, I've got to go back to law school was the deal I made with myself at age 27. Um, so it put, you know, some uh, some spurs in my side to get going on this. Don't just, you know, float. And finally, when I was 31 years old, seven years after making that decision, I got a full-time job at the Detroit News writing sports features uh, for Jim Russ and Mark Lett and uh, Bob Giles there, who are fantastic editors, mentors, publishers. And that was a big career break for sure. I didn't know that we had Bob Giles in common as someone that we both love, admire, and respect. Can you talk a little bit about getting mentorship from somebody like that and all these other great people you're surrounded by? Well, sure. First of all, Bob Giles was the editor of the Akron Beacon Journal who broke the Kent State story. Mm. Uh, the uh, four college students, of course, shot down by the National Guard, uh, which Crosby, Stills, and Nash made a song out of. Yeah. And he wrote a great book, When Truth Still Mattered. That one came out a few years ago with uh, great acclaim. But Bob was a very distinguished guy. He was an academic in some ways, uh, a true professional. But he wore, you know, very sharp Brooks Brothers suits. And I came in for my interview with my own Brooks Brothers suit. And he looked at me and my resume, looked at me and my resume. And he finally said, you don't look like a sports writer. And I said, thanks. He goes, definitely thanks. <laughs> if you've seen The Odd Couple and Oscar Madison, uh, you know what I'm talking about. So... Um, so there we go. But he gave me all the encouragement I needed. So did Mark Lett end up being the uh, editor in chief of the state paper in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, Jim Russ was my personal editor on the Sunday paper um, for sports. And I was basically a salaried freelancer. I did a big story every week. I got all the space I needed, all the support I needed. It was a huge break. Uh, and I certainly endeavored to make the most out of that. So that was a, a game changer for me. What happened, though, to get you into coaching, which was the genesis of your book, Let Them Lead? I decided to, management changed, my bosses changed, and so on. So I decided to leave the Detroit News in 99. Usually from that spot, we were a top seven paper at the time, nationwide. Um, usually from that spot, you can go to another big paper and maybe as a columnist and so on. But 
Uh, instead, I got hooked into coaching my old high school hockey team in Ann Arbor, uh, the Ann Arbor Huron River Rats. I'm not making that up. That is our mascot. The only one in the nation, by the way. We are the River Rats. There are a lot of pioneers out there and bears and tigers, but only one rats. Uh, the team was 0-22-3 the year before. And for you non-sports fans out there, the zero is where the wins go. 22 losses and three ties. They were ranked dead last in the nation on some website, um, which is kind of crazy because we don't you know, play all the teams in the nation, let alone California. But there we were. And whom they hired was the worst player in school history. And that's not false modesty. Angie, I can prove this. Mm-hmm. I still hold the record for the most games in a Huron uniform, 86. I played in all the games for three straight years. Back then, it was a 10 through 12 grade high school. Uh, with the fewest goals, zero. So <laughs> Congratulations. Thank you very much. All <laughs> the games, none of the goals. Nobody can beat that record. It's the zero. It's, yeah, it's Take solid history books right there, Thank right? You very much. Not bragging, just telling you. So. <laughs> Worst player, in school history, worst player in school history, worst team in America. This should definitely work. And back to your passions. This is one of my passions. Um, it didn't pay anything. It's 5,000 bucks. It cost me a lot of money, given the time and effort. Um, but I always knew I wanted to do it. And I wanted to leave people with an experience they would not forget. That was the real goal. I wanted to win more games and everything else. But uh, really, the goal was to, you know, hopefully develop, you know, fine young men. So anyway, um, we... I sought out, again, mentors. Back to your bet on you. Betting on yourself is very important. I've done it a number of times, probably seven or eight, ten times, with pretty high stakes, almost betting it all a few times on this book or that decision. Um, But, man, mentors. It's so much easier to bet on yourself when you have good mentors who have prepared you well for the next step, who can support you and tell you you're not crazy uh, to throw the dice in this way. Um, so I had another mentor here, a guy named Al Clark at Culver Academies. He is the winningest high school hockey coach of all time. And when he retired in 2016 with 1,017 wins yeah. in the middle of the cornfields of Indiana, started the program himself with outdoor rink and guys who never skated before. And they quickly won eight straight state titles and kept it going. So anyway, I asked him, what do I do here? He says, you've got to make it special to play for Huron. And I made some wise crack and I say, well, we're already the worst team in America. That's pretty special. And a rare opportunity, right? See, right there. As my father said, it's chapter one. When you're on the floor, you cannot fall out of bed. So that was his, that was his motivational pep talk. Thanks. I man. highlighted that in my putting at my iPad right or here. So I highlighted there that as go, part exactly. of my book. Yeah, I love that um, quote. He, but Al Clark dismissed my little joke. He says, no. He said, the easiest way to make it special is to make it hard. The easiest way to make it special is to make it hard, which is seems contradictory. It certainly flies against everything I was hearing at the time and everything you hear now about you need casual Fridays and taco Tuesdays and beanbag chairs and so on. He said, no, take the opposite approach. And he was right. And when I take this approach, and I gave a TED Talk in Traverse City on this, actually, mm-hmm. um, I often hear, well, you won't get them all that way. Exactly. You don't want them all. Uh, McDonald's gets them all. I don't want to be McDonald's. I want to be Navy SEALs. I want to be the Peace Corps. I want to be, you know, the la- the the Michigan Law School or whatever else is the most elite. And the Marine Corps. You want to be Marine the Marine Corps. Corps. Right up there. Absolutely. And the funny <laughs> thing is, the more elite you make it, the harder you make it, the more you're going to attract the right people because the real elite, they don't want to be average and they don't want to be unchallenged. Um, so, and by the way, the guys in that team, we had workouts three days a week, every week, four straight months before tryouts even started. These are voluntary workouts. By state law, I can't make you come. And not one player quit. They didn't have to come. I thought for sure, worst team in America, 
We have a lot of dropouts, zero dropouts. They were inspired by it. They started telling their friends to come down to our workouts. Uh, it was great. And so I underestimated really just how motivated these guys were going to be. And these were Navy SEALs. This was the worst team in America, like I said. And uh, when that started going, we had a good thing going. When my captain, Mike Henry, still a close friend, he said to another player, a ninth grader who's grumbling about something, he turned to him and said, hey, you play for Huron, and it's harder over here. I said, yes, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. And from then, not me. Now we have a culture. You don't have a culture until it's their culture. You can yell and scream all you want. Uh, until they're until they're you know buying it and selling it basically then then you got something um, that is a tweetable moment by the way that you just said you don't have a culture until it's their culture and i think that connects directly and wonderfully to your title let them lead i think we oftentimes in society think about leadership as top down but it sounds like to me leadership was very much shared that you really needed and i, I think i highlighted this too through some of the values that you instilled in your team commitment, purpose, and belonging, like making it theirs. That's it. I think two big mistakes we're making nowadays. One, we cater, we coddle, we lower the bar. And okay, if you do that, it's going to work is the problem. You're going to get people who love those things. And that's not what you want. Second mistake, those who are willing to be tough enough to have high standards, too often are not willing to hand the reins over to the next generation, to your people. Um, it can't be top down anymore. That's not going to work. So that is the concession you make to today's generation is my way, the highway is no longer functions. So high standards. Yes. I control everything. No, that does not work. Um, and great line from John Cooper, uh, who was coaching Lansing Catholic central when I was coaching, he moved, ended up going up the coaching ranks and he's now the head coach of the Tampa Bay lightning. That is an NHL team that has won two of the last three Stanley cups. So I guess our careers, Angie have somehow diverged along the way. <laughs> I'm free this season, so just so you know. But uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, his great line, bad teams, nobody leads. Good teams, coaches lead, leaders lead. Great teams, everybody leads. And that's really the whole point of the book. How do you get everybody to lead? If it's you versus them, you're going to lose. There's more of them. Sorry. So it's got to be from them, self-policing, all that good stuff, self-driven. And that's what we developed it here on. And within three years, we were the best team in school history, number four in the state, and number 53 in the nation. We had passed 1,203 teams in three years, 97% of the nation. No one's done it before. I, I doubt you can do it again because you got to start out dead last, Angie, and that's not, not many <laughs> teams get that chance. Um, that is incredible. That's, I want to go to your two roles for a second, but to preface that, I love this phrase that hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. We've had a couple of guests who have been coaches on Bet On You who've reiterated that, but share us with your two roles for your team. Yeah, I got it from Rob Palmer, a friend of mine uh, from Toronto who played at Michigan All-American, played in the NHL for six or seven years, and then got his MBA and had a great business career. But we're leaving the rink one night. I skate with those guys on Tuesday. And he said his dad told him when he was a peewee, a young player, uh, only focus on two things, work hard, and support your teammates. He said, everything else will take care of itself and you don't control the rest. And walking out and I was about to start coaching here on. So the timing was perfect. I thought that is so simple. It's genius. Uh, and don't confuse simple with easy. I'm a big believer in that. Mm. Um, and what's great about work hard to support your teammates is that is completely within your control. Every day you wake up, every player in my team, every coach, myself, you name it, the parents, and so on. we can all wake up and work hard, support our teammates, no matter what's going on. 
doesn't depend on the weather or the economy or your boss or pucks bouncing or referees or goalies or anything else. Work hard, support your teammates. And a big point we make in chapter three, focus on be very patient with results. If you're doing a turnaround, especially, they're not going to happen right away. And it'll be, you know, two steps forward, one step back, all that stuff. But be utterly impatient with behaviors. Those you can do today, right now. Show up on time, ready to work, dressed appropriately, prepared to go. That's what we do every day. Uh, so if you do it that way and focus on those things, I say, I'll worry about the score. That's my problem, not your problem. You worry about two things. Work hard, support your teammates. We got blown out 13 to 2 by the all-time great Trenton team with 14 state titles. And to remind your listeners, by the way, your viewers, uh, this is high school hockey, not football. That's 13 in increments of one. Right, not two touchdowns. Uh, so that was a brutal game. Uh, and they're pretty ticked off afterwards. And I said, hey, what are the two rules? They said, work hard, support your teammates. I said, that's right. Did we do that tonight? They thought about it. Said, Actually, we did. I said, they didn't do that tonight. They got lazy near the end. They weren't even high-fiving after the 11th or 12th goal. They got bored. You guys kept supporting your goalie and each other the entire game, kept working hard to the bitter end. That is heroic. Stick with it. We're going to get there. And likewise, if we lose, if we win a great game or win an easy game over a bad team, but we don't do those two things, then you ain't going to like Monday because focus on your behaviors and not the results. And back to your macro point, bet on you. When I was sending out, I learned this the hard way as a freelance writer before I was at the Detroit News. Um, You work very hard in your articles. You put them in a folder back in those days, no email. You stamp it, you send it off and you hope for the best. All right. Once the stamp is on there, you forget about it because all I control in this world is what I put out there. I don't control what comes back. And once you have to separate those two things in a Zen kind of way, you'll be a lot happier and a lot more productive. Focus on what you put out and not what comes back. That's how you bet, in my opinion. That's how you bet on yourself. Oh, I love this. And John, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I want to keep on listening to some of the wisdom you have. But this is awesome. Listeners, we'll be right back. Hey everyone, this is Angie Wachowski. I'm one of the co-authors of Bet On You. This is the companion to the radio program. So if you're enjoying what you're listening to, check out this book. Inside there's some really great guidance and a code that takes you to an online platform that helps you dream better and imagine ways that you can bet on yourself. Check it out. Hey everyone, we are back with American author, speaker, educator, coach, Michigan football fan, John Bacon, we just talked about your leadership transforming the worst hockey team in America to the best hockey team in America. And I would love for you to talk about some of your challenging days because we do talk about betting on yourself and you can imagine just the successes that you have, but were there points in that turnaround that you just, I don't know, questioned yourself or frustrated, had self-doubt? How do you deal with that? Oh, absolutely. There's no way. I mean, this was not a straight line from zero wins to 17. It was a whole lot of back and forth, some tough decisions. Uh, am I being too hard on the guys? Am I pushing them hard enough? Um, am I do I have to look out for that player versus this player? So a lot of a lot of moments like that. I, again, circle back to mentors and your team. Uh, I would talk to Al Clark fairly often, Red Berenson, the coach of Michigan at the time. And by the way, I got to correct one thing. I can't, I'm not allowed to be a Michigan football fan. I got to be a reporter. So okay. I can't wear school colors, talk about we are singing the fight song. I got to be critical sometimes. So anyway. You could be critical. It's okay. There we go. Exactly. But uh, mentors help a lot. 
I also had a grossly overqualified assistant coaching staff. So that was a great sounding board for me. You could shut the door and say, okay, tell me the truth. What's going on? Uh, don't hire yes men, yes women. Uh, hire people with, with real opinions. And I also relied on the captains. I relied on the seniors. Come in here, tell me what's going on. So that gave me a much better sense for what to do next in times of trouble than I would just being isolated by myself. Great feedback. So as we transition to a few questions, this is your opportunity just to share some wisdom with our audience in addition to what you've already provided, of course. But I'd love to hear from you. Like, what book has inspired you? And I know you're an avid reader, so there's probably many. But top of mind, is there a go-to book that you go to as a source of consistent inspiration? Oh, there are probably a lot of books I go to for inspiration. Um, boy, one book. Well, I'll tell you what. My good friend, Susan Cain, uh, her book, Quiet, by the way. Mm -hmm. I'm not a quiet person. Uh, what I get out of that is how to how to be yourself and still achieve in a world that does not always reward your traits. Um, so in that sense, there's a good macro message there as well, That's which right. I really enjoyed. Can you share a piece of feedback that was offered to you that was really beneficial? Could have been tough feedback or favorable feedback, but a piece of feedback that was delivered to you that really shifted or shaped your perspective. Oh, a few things. Um, one is Bo Schimbeckler, Michigan Zola football coach telling me, don't forget the damn ball is pointy. Uh, that's football, of course. In other words, it doesn't matter how well prepared you are, there are things you don't control. And, and a puck has got an edge to it. It doesn't always bounce right. Um, so A, be humble going into your next challenge. You want to be confident, obviously. But be humble about what you don't control. And if it doesn't go exactly as you want, don't forget you don't control everything. Go back to what you do control. Another quick bit of advice from Al Clark, my mentor at Culver Academies, is uh, don't try to fool them. They'll know you better than you know yourself before the year's out. And that's true in the Marine Corps. That's true coaching the high school hockey team. Your division in your business, don't try to fool them. Al's not a talker. I am. You got to be yourself. I love that. This will be sort of a pair question, but I always love to hear from our guests just what they do to enjoy themselves outside of the great work that they're doing. And where do they like to eat? This is our way of like doing some shout outs to local restaurants. So sure? what do you like to do outside of work? If there's a life outside of work for you and where do you like to eat? Well, we in Traverse City, we like Red Ginger, of course, is one of them. Yeah. North Peak Brewery is another. A lot of great places up there. Uh, in Ann Arbor, we got a lot of good places. Um, Aventura is probably our favorite. That's where we had our wedding reception. So congratulations. Thank you. And what do you, what do, you do outside of work activity wise? Uh, play hockey. I used to play golf before I had a kid. <laughs> <laughs> but you were time rich. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time rich is a good way to put it. I'm now time poor. That's undeniably true. Uh, yeah. I meditate, which might come as a shock. Really? Um, but that has been uh, 10 minutes a day is all I do. I, I keep the bar very low for that. But that I find mm -hmm. helpful just to give yourself 10 minutes that nothing else matters. Oh, I, I started that a couple of years ago during the pandemic, actually. It was game changing. Good time to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, it was necessary. It was actually necessary, I think, for me personally. Last, um, last question. Can you impart some wisdom? Just share with our audience something that you think they should know as they move about their lives and take risks on themselves. Uh, I often say, when in doubt, Teddy, where are you? Come in here for a second. This be, this be live. Teddy, come in here for quick. So this, put, is that, this is what I do with my free time, by the way. So, oh, hey, Teddy. Hey, oh, a special guest. Hey, buddy. There you go. As you can tell, he's my son. So there we I go. I can tell. Teddy, how old are you? Seven. Awesome. Okay. What grade are yeah, you in? Amazon because it's not school today. That's awesome. Hey, Teddy. Welcome there to Bet go. on You Radio. What does Daddy cool? like to do most of all? 
play with me. That's right. So yeah. thanks, man. We'll see you. It's wonderful. All so right. the wisdom in that is enjoy. Yes. He just read my name. He's learned how to read. So uh, <laughs> that probably awesome. fulfills me more than anything. But anyway, uh, the last question was, sorry. Wisdom you want to share for those taking risks on themselves. Uh, I, I say it all the time. And before I knew the name of your show, when in doubt, bet in yourself. Um, and also when in doubt, bet in your people. Uh, we'll have doubts and so on. It's amazing what you can do. People I know who left their jobs, for example, to go freelance in anything. Uh, the people who have got the guts to run off that cliff usually start flapping their wings and start flying. Uh, and also, by the way, it's in my book, When in Doubt, Bet on the Kid. When in Doubt, Bet on Your People. And they'll appreciate it. And the mere fact of your betting will change the odds, actually. It's not just being a, a cold, objective bet. Once I've done that, you get pumped up. Um, so when in doubt, bet on yourself. When in doubt, bet on them. I love that. And remember, risk is not the path or risk, risk is not the opposite of reward. It's a path to reward. So it's not Absolutely. risk versus reward. Way, I mean, it goes without saying, if you don't want to throw the dice once in a while, we're talking about calculated risk, not being stupid mm -hmm. and not doing crazy things. Uh, but if you're not willing to do that once in a while, you'll never achieve what you want. And people to go full circle with your show. So I'd love to do what you want to do. Would you be willing to walk out of law school? Would you be willing to leave a great job at the Detroit News? Would you be willing to write a book on the Halifax explosion in a genre you've never written before? Um, those are all huge chances. Um, but without them, none of this happens. I love it. Well, thank you, John Bacon, so much for being a guest today on Bet on You Radio. And thank you, everyone. Now, if you didn't learn five things from this episode, <laughs> go back and listen to it again. This was great. I appreciate your time today, John. Thank you very much.